0: I'm Linda Flarkey with Buena Vista Ranch in Lampasas, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture.
2: Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, a court decision this week gives more states relief from the Environmental Protection Agency's new rule on waters of the U.S., We'll have more on that decision coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
0: The Northwest Texas Panhandle is an area where weather conditions have been extremely dry and extremely windy in recent months. I'm James Hunt and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll hear one local expert's advice for farmers.
3: Staying safe during severe weather months in Texas, including when there is flash flooding in your region. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more from the National Weather Service in Fort Worth on Texas Ag Today.
4: Wind and solar development projects are a big topic of conversation among Texas farmers and ranchers. The Texas legislature is considering a regulatory framework for these projects. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have details on Texas Ag Today.
2: We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Another court decision on Wednesday will give farmers and ranchers some temporary relief from the Environmental Protection Agency's new Waters of the U.S. rule. A judge in North Dakota granted a preliminary injunction preventing the rule from being enforced in another 24 states. That brings the total now to 26 states as Texas and Idaho were exempted from the rule a couple of weeks ago by a Texas court. 11% of the Texas cotton crop is now in the ground, according to this week's Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report. That is right on pace with the five-year average. But in other cotton-growing states, things are getting a slow start. USDA's Brad Rippey. If you look at the national number for cotton planted, 6% of the intended acreage planted by April 9th. One point behind the five-year average of 7%, a point behind last year's 7%. We see progress only in three of the 15 reporting states. Arizona leads 13% of the cotton planted. That's less than half the average pace of 27%. Texas is pretty much on par at 11% planted, five-year average 12%. But in California, and it's an interesting situation there because some of the acreage for cotton is being flooded as we speak. Farmers in West Texas and the Panhandle are getting ready to roll planters for the spring. But pioneer agronomist Ron Joyner reminds us to keep an eye on soil temperatures.
5: You guys make a large investment in seed. We do a lot of stuff with breeding, genetics, seed treatments. and You got to make the most of that dollar. One of the things you really want to avoid is trying to plan ahead of maybe a cold, chilling ray. You know, if you're planting corn, you really need to wait until that soil temperature is at a minimum of 50 degrees and climbing. And watching that forecast is important to do that. And if you see the temperatures are going to drop down in the 30s in the coming days, it's probably better to stop and avoid that situation you know 24 to 48 hours when that seed involves water it's really critical to getting a good even emergence and good early season growth
2: pioneer agronomist ron Joyner, he's based in central texas the usda world agricultural supply and demand report was somewhat negative for the cotton market it did show an increase in u.s exports of cotton but that was overshadowed by a jump in world cotton production of 829,000 bales. That number caused by a 1 million bale increase in Chinese cotton production. The Ag Department didn't change the corn estimates much at all. U.S. corn ending stocks left at 1.3 billion bushels, the same as last month, but they did make a slight adjustment downward in world corn ending stocks to 11.6 billion bushels. The report a bit bearish for the wheat market. They raised U.S. wheat stocks from 568 million bushels last month to 598 million this month. Weather conditions in the Texas panhandle have been exceptionally dry and windy. James Hunt tells us that's affecting the soil moisture profile.
0: Dennis Coker is an extension agent for agronomy with Texas A&M AgriLife. He serves four counties in the northwest Texas panhandle, Dallum, Hartley, Sherman, and Moore counties, an area where our drought has been especially harsh. With planting time near, Coker suggests farmers analyze their soil moisture profiles to see what kind of shape they're in, given that they've had very little help in the way of rain.
6: We've had about in the area somewhere around since the beginning of the year, uh, half an inch. Maybe a little less, depending on where you are, but hardly any more than that, a half inch. But yet, on the other hand, there's been, in terms of pan evaporation, something in the neighborhood of 26 inches, uh, pan evaporation. So, especially with the big wind events, we've had some extensive evaporation going on. That upper soil profile really dries out. Unless they... Can continue to make passes with water and you know add more water back in to uh, basically refill and recharge the that upper profile and keep everything going.
0: Now here's another consideration when it comes to the very dry, very windy conditions we've had in recent months. Although we've certainly had some wildfires around the Panhandle, overall we haven't had many large ones. Juan Rodriguez with the Texas A&M Forest Service says, One thing that has likely helped keep wildfires down a bit is ranchers looking wherever they can for grazing opportunities. That is a a big thing in helping to mitigate those wildfire factors. Heavy grazing will indeed decrease that fuel loading on the landscape, creating less extreme wildfires. More about the wildfire situation in our next report. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Severe weather season is here. Tom Nicoletti has some advice on what to do when it hits. Springtime in Texas can mean severe weather
3: anywhere in the state. National Weather Service meteorologist Tom Bradshaw stresses to everyone in rural and urban locations to turn around, don't drown when heavy rains create flooding conditions.
7: Unfortunately, Texas often leads the nation in the number of flash flood fatalities that occur in this state. And a lot of that is due to folks that unfortunately choose to make a very bad decision by driving into water of unknown depth, even water that they don't think is very deep. If the water is moving, it can very easily sweep a vehicle off the road. It can certainly sweep individuals off their feet if they're walking in the water. So please, once again, turn around, don't drown, and stay safe in flood-prone areas.
3: So flooding, uh, severe thunderstorms excessive straight-line winds, uh, tornadoes, all those types of severe weather uh, need to keep people uh, on their toes this spring.
7: Absolutely. Having a plan, you know, knowing how to respond, not only to uh, damaging straight line winds, lightning, that's another thing that uh, affects a lot of folks during severe thunderstorms. Actually, any thunderstorm that we have can possess lightning. Certainly tornadoes, that is the big one. That's the one that can certainly create the most fatalities and affect people in the most significant way. Probably the simplest thing that I can recommend for folks is to put as many walls between yourself and the outside walls of the structure that you're in. You want to stay away from windows. You want to get into small interior rooms, wherever you happen to be, place of business or a home. If you're in a mobile home, you have time to get out of the mobile home. You really want to try to find a more substantial shelter. Mobile homes and RVs are not safe places to be during high winds and tornadoes. If you're in a vehicle, you want to try to get out of the vehicle and get into a substantial structure.
3: That is Tom Bradshaw, National Weather Service meteorologist in Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Wind and solar development projects are a big topic of conversation among Texas farmers and ranchers. Gary Joyner says it's also being discussed in the Texas legislature.
4: There is little regulation or oversight over wind and solar developments in Texas at the state level. State Senators Lois Kulkhorst of Brenham and Mays Middleton of Galveston have authored a Senate bill in the Texas legislature to change that. Senate Bill 624 authorizes the Texas Public Utility Commission and Texas Parks and Wildlife Department to establish oversight of renewable energy projects. The bill would require a person seeking to operate a renewable energy generation facility to apply for a permit from the PUC. The PUC will give notice to affected parties, including any property owner located within 25 miles of the boundary of the proposed facility. Facilities larger than 15 megawatts must notify the county judge for all counties within 25 miles of the facility if requested. The PUC may also require the turbines or panels are not within 500 feet of any property line and 1,000 feet from any habitable structure. The agencies may require wildlife assessments around the facility. If the PUC determines the permit holder did not properly remove their facilities in accordance with the Texas Utility Code, the PUC may come onto the project and remove the facilities themselves. The bill establishes a cleanup fund. It consists of private contributions, legislative appropriations, and environmental impact fees on every permit holder. State Representative Jared Patterson of Frisco has filed the companion legislation in the Texas House. Regulatory oversight is needed, but property rights must be recognized. It's an important public policy balance. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today.
8: A national lab has confirmed two new cases of chronic wasting disease in Texas. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today.
2: And race horses and other performance horses can develop heat related issues. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
1: As we celebrate Earth Day 2023, we know that sustainability in agriculture requires our entire value chain to invest in our planet, this year's Earth Day theme. That's why we collaborate on best practices to protect crops, reduce inputs, conserve and regenerate land, and help keep fresh water clean, all while striving to reduce the climate impact of our own operations. This message is from Syngenta, investing in agricultural innovation that helps protect our planet today and tomorrow. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture
2: on Texas Ag Today. Race horses and other performance horses can develop heat related issues. Dr. Bob Judd says there's
6: been a study done to help predict when these issues will occur. The longer the distance of the race, the more humid the weather, and the horse having a history of heat issues all increase the chance of heat illness. Because of this, organizers of the event can anticipate and aim to prevent heat issues. All racing jurisdictions, as well as other equine events, should have appropriate facilities for treating heat illness. Thoroughbred racehorses produce 1,250 kilojoules of heat energy every minute while racing, which is enough heat to boil a gallon of water. So you can see a large amount of heat is produced. And while some of the heat is released into the environment, some increases the body and blood temperature. Then the horse cannot get rid of the heat, their internal temperature continues to rise, and if their temperature rises above 104 degrees Fahrenheit, protein damage and cell death can occur. This study indicated that horses were 19 times more likely to develop heat illness during a 2-mile race than a 1-mile race, and those racing at 86 degrees Fahrenheit were 10 times more likely to develop heat illness than those racing at 68 degrees. Researchers have developed a computer model to accurately predict when 83.5% of the heat illnesses would occur in a certain horse with all the variables like heat, humidity, length of race, and others. Dr. Trigg believes heat illness will be increasing due to climate change, and this should be considered when scheduling and designing racing events. Regardless of climate change, Dr. Trigg is in England. And those horses do not have to endure the temperatures we have in Texas, so be aware of heat exhaustion when exercising your horse in the Texas heat and humidity. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: A national lab has confirmed two new cases of chronic wasting disease here in Texas. Jessica Dommel has the story in today's Wildlife Report.
8: A national lab has confirmed the first cases of chronic wasting disease in deer breeding facilities in Frio and Hamilton counties. Late last month, Texas Parks and Wildlife Department staff told the Parks and Wildlife Commission that CWD was suspected in each of the facilities and had also been confirmed in Zavala, Gonzales, and Washington counties as well. On Tuesday, TPWD announced the National Veterinary Services Lab in Ames, Iowa, confirmed those cases in Frio and Hamilton counties. It is the first detection of the fatal neurological deer disease in each of the counties. According to the department, a single case of CWD was detected in Hamilton County during live animal testing to determine if the deer could be moved from the property to a registered release site. A single case of CWD was found in Frio County through post-mortem testing after the deer died naturally. TPWD reports the post-mortem testing at the facility was required as part of CWD surveillance in the area. Following confirmation of CWD. TPWD secured the remaining deer at both facilities. The department and the Texas Animal Health Commission are working together to investigate the extent of the disease within the breeding facilities. Members of the deer or cervid family, including whitetail and mule deer, elk and moose, are susceptible to CWD. The disease has a long incubation period, during which time infected animals may not show outward signs of illness, during which time they can shed prions in their saliva, urine, feces, blood, and soft antler material that can infect other susceptible animals for years. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal.
2: It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex closed mixed Thursday, but we continue to move into record territory. Live cattle finishing lower on all except the nearby April. That's the contract that continues to make new records. It was up another $1.22 on Wednesday, closing at 175 50 The rest of our contracts lower, June down $35, dollars dollars 50 with August Live Cattle down 72. Same thing on the feeder cattle. Nearby April was up 45 cents, 202.67, while the May was down 77, 207.80, and the August down 77 at 224.97. One reason that nearby April live cattle contract continues to climb is that the cash market continues to climb. Still making records there as well. Big jump this week. Southern feedlots here in Texas selling cattle this week at $175. That's 5 bucks higher compared to last week, and that sets new records for us here in Texas. Up north, dressed cattle trading for $290 in Nebraska. That is an $11 jump compared to last week's weighted average. One reason packers are willing to pay that higher cash money is because boxed beef prices continue to climb. On Thursday, choice broke the three hundred dollar mark. It was up a dollar ninety two at three hundred dollars forty cents. Select up a dollar forty four at two eighty three twenty five. Now let's check those auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you
5: hear auctioneer Troy sound off, it's time to review the sale from last week at Caldwell Livestock Commission Company with Carl Herman. Carl, that was last week's sale. We uh, had. Uh... 100 head on a, a higher calf market steady cow market for 102 sellers and 45 fires uh we had right out 100 cows and bulls slaughter cows 60 to 104 slaughter bulls 90 to 125 Stalker cows 950 to 1300 and pairs 1200 to 1375 on the calf side on the steers Two to three weight steers 230 to 290 three to four weights 233 to 267 four to five weights 229 to 260. Five to six weight steers two hundred four to two hundred forty, the six and seven weights brought one hundred eighty two to two dollars, and the seven to eight weight steers one hundred seventy four to one hundred eighty five. On the heifer side, two to three weights two dollars to two hundred forty seven, three to four weight heifers brought two dollars to two hundred forty five, four to five weights two hundred five to two hundred forty seven, five to six weight heifers one hundred eighty five to two hundred thirty seven, the six and seven weight heifers brought one hundred seventy five to one hundred eighty five, and the seven to eight weights one hundred fifty to one hundred seventy. So uh, the market's strong. It's very active. Tell everybody how to contact you, Carl. Okay. My number is 979-820-5349. Call the barn, 567-4119. Or if you're in the Giddings area, call Max Edmert, 540-8676. We appreciate you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you, Larry. Bye-bye. Neighbor, that's it for this edition of Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. Thanks for doing so
2: during this program Texas Ag Today back over to the futures market now we lean hogs finished lower thursday the april contract down 70 cents at 7160 may hogs down a dollar 57 7995 class 3 milk was mixed the nearby april unchanged at 1866 100 weight may milk down 27 1797 100 The cotton market closed higher as Thursday's producer price index report suggested there may be less inflation in store for the U.S. economy. We finished with the May contract up 90 cents on that news, 83.35. July cotton up 80, 83.19, while new crop December was up 45, 82.88 cents. Corn market drifted lower, May corn down three and three quarters, 6.52 and a quarter. It's new crop September corn down one and a half at five sixty one a bushel. The wheat market taking a double digit drop on the weather forecast. Some of the weather premium coming out of the wheat market on a weather forecast suggesting that Kansas and Nebraska may see some much needed rain over the weekend and next week. July Kansas City wheat dropping fifteen cents, eight thirty one and a quarter. July Chicago wheat down 11 at 676 a bushel. In the energy markets, May natural gas down 7 cents at 201, May West Texas crude down a dollar 182.25 a barrel. The financial markets higher Thursday afternoon, the Dow up 390 90 34036, the Nasdaq up 239 at 12168, the S&P up 55 dollars 4147. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin, hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas
1: Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website,